episode two of season three of Warning Track, the as I like to call it, the internet's only MSU baseball podcast, Michigan State University baseball podcast. I like to think it's the only college baseball podcast there is, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's, I'm fairly certain there's got to be another one out there. I know this is the line of questioning I brought up uh, a couple weeks ago. Kyle Turk, Tino Barga, Noah Go, Tino, how are you? I'm good. Coming off of spring break, I'm just hitting stride. Noah, how are you? I'm doing well. My foot is healing, so good news there. Are you walking? I, think I, I am walking. walking. Yeah. I am walking. All right. So this is the we're gonna call this the introductory segment where we ask each other about our spring breaks. Uh, did we have Did we have a nice time? Did you go anywhere? Uh, I went to my couch. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Since he couldn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Kyle, you went to Florida. How about that? Talk, talk more about it. How about it? How about it? No, I, I did what I do, which is stay out of the sun. It's tough when you're on those cruise ships, though, because uh, the things that I like to do are not the things that people on cruise ships are have usually planned out. Elaborate? No, just, just sitting out in the sun, uh, sitting and relaxing by the pool. There's there a lot of spring breakers, so you have the dance parties, the, the free-flowing alcohol, this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those types. Not a party type. But I am a college baseball type, and we've got... Some hot takes, kind of, about some Michigan State baseball. A lot has gone on, as we mentioned, since the last time we all spoke to you. Back in uh, the month of February, uh, Michigan State went out to Minneapolis. They went to Greenville, South Carolina. And now, just in time for the snow to get off the ground here in East Lansing, a little bit of, uh, a, little, a, little bit of a home stretch. What is it, a month in a row of, uh, of college baseball here at McLean State? Is it? Wait, oh wait, let me get it right. Cobbs Field at McLean Baseball Stadium. Correct. There we go. So, gentlemen, where, where do we where do we want to start with this? Where do we where should we go? Should we go Minnesota first? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Minneapolis. Does that sound good? Let's, do that, that. Yeah, uh, let's start Minnesota. I, I want to be able to hear your voice because like, I, I look to either of you, and I feel like Tino's the one that's going to respond in that situation. Oh, that's just me. But starting off, Michigan State's now what four and ten on the year. Yes, four and ten. So. A stretch where a couple, couple of losses, but a couple of decent, decent sized wins. I would say. Yeah, I mean there are some losses there, but I guess you can call them maybe high profile losses if you want. I mean, definitely quality opponents. Quality that they face. losses. Quality, quality losses. Quality losses is the one I like to use. So let's start off with with Washington. This was back. Oof, this is a long time ago. This was, this was back in February still. I think. Um, let me get it right though. March second. March, March second. Okay, from from US Bank Stadium. I wish we had seen some footage of of how they played those games up on that on the football field. You know, I, I wonder what that layout. was. It was interesting. I think the dugouts were the most probably the most. Well, no, you saw, so you saw pictures. So can you can you, can you kind of paint a paint a picture for for the for the listeners at, at home? I mean, it's. It's tough. It, it was definitely was an odd layout. Um, We're talking uh, one end zone to the other. Where where's the where what's the what's the relationship here? Basically, one end zone to the other. I mean, maybe we can we'll post some pictures or something. We'll do. It's 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 tough to explain. I mean, it definitely was odd, but it was pretty cool. And I I can only imagine that players were happy playing in Minneapolis around this time of year and indoors, home of the recent Super Bowl. So it must have been a cool experience, but. It was something to see. I can't explain it myself. So a couple <laughs> weeks ago, Riley McCauley, your your number one starter right now at least, up on the hill against Washington, unranked right now. 
I don't know if they, I don't think they jumped into rankings. Maybe this is where you do a little bit of research and we figure out, uh, and that's, that's, that's for future warning track, uh, podcasters to find out. But McCauley, six innings, six hits, no runs, solid performance, five, only five strikeouts, which is a little low for him. He's, uh, he's averaging right now, actually, over, over a strikeout inning. I think it's somewhere in maybe 10 strikeouts per nine, maybe, maybe even 11 or 12, but he, this is maybe giving away the, the, the lead right here, but Michigan State's 0 4 now in games that McCauley starts. And it wasn't even, uh, I'm not okay, it wasn't even his fault, I guess, that Michigan State lost this game because they went all the way into the eighth scoreless. Michigan State's the home team, so Washington scores one in the eighth, Michigan State scores two. They bring in Mitch Tyransky at some point. I think it might have brought him in for the eighth. He gives up a run. In, or they give up two runs in the ninth. Michigan State has to claw back, score one in the bottom of the ninth to tie it. Washington scores one in the top of the tenth. Game over. It's it, it's another one run game, if if nothing else, it's another one run game. Yeah, I mean they got out of their fourteen games, nine of them side by two runs or less. So they're not getting blown out of the park, but like they had to go toe to toe against uh, Joe Demars, who fresh off of a perfect game. But uh, I mean, like yeah, they they kept it close the whole game. I think that was good. Yeah, and and going back to what you said, Kyle, about Riley McCauley being 0-4, we can't look too much into that because he's, as we said, these quality opponents. I mean, he's going against usually these other teams' best pitchers. So, you know, he's the Friday starter for Michigan State, so he's he's clearly the ace, and, and he's carrying a heavy workload. Um, You know, Fresno State, Pepperdine, Washington, Illinois, those aren't pushover teams at all, and pretty much facing the other team's best. So... I wouldn't look too much into the own four record, but but it it does stand out. If you, if you want to pin the blame, I'm not I'm not going to be one to ever pin the blame because it's because it's they're one game kind of situations across an entire season, and I I don't want I don't want to get us to get in the habit of being like oh well you got to blame this pitcher for what happened in this game. But Jake Lowry was the one who ended up with the loss, gave up the two in the ninth, and then they kept him in for the tenth where they scored their uh, go ahead run there. Uh, he's he's been an interesting start to the season. He's been kind of up and down. I think I think it's gonna weigh. We, we'll we'll talk about the pitching a little bit later, but I think his performances have been maybe better than we expected. Maybe maybe more maybe right at the level we expected from him. I mean, we didn't really quite, we weren't quite sure of his role. I guess if anything, if anything else. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with Jake Lauer. You you'd think well, I, I thought that he would be, you know, the guy late innings because he's a fifth-year senior, because he has that experience. But, I mean, it's just not showing right now. And I think that's where taking McCauley and putting him into the starter position kind of hurts Michigan State here because you were able to use McCauley at your expense whenever you wanted. You know, we we saw Clemson, and we'll talk about that later on with their huge inning. You could have inserted Riley McCauley there and took, you know, took away that, that explosion. But, again, that's where it hurts Putting McCauley in that starter role, you can't use him at your expense. You lose Friday. You you come back against uh, top twenty five or top fifteen ranked at least UCLA, and you run into the buzzsaw that is John Olson. Complete game, five hits. Justin Antonio's had your homer. He was the maybe the lone bat standout of the of the weekend for Michigan State. Really of the whole season so far, I'd say was Antonio the uh, outfielder. But they lose that one four one. Uh, not too much to write home about there. Uh, Ethan Landon got the start there. Uh, went six innings, let up four runs. I mean, 
just these the starters have not been turning in performances i guess that would that you you kind of chalk up and you look at the fifth inning and it's nine to two or something and you're out of the game like they've been they've been keeping msu in the game for large stretches i think it's been more on the bats so far i mean we've looked and i think right now they got 224 team average somewhere in those range it's like well the, if you're a pitcher right now what more, what more can you do if you're if you're michigan state Right, and we look at you know some averages here. We got Marty Bikina at an even two hundred. We got Bryce Kelly at two seventeen. I mean, those are two guys in the lineup towards the top of the lineup that you'd want producing, and they're not. So I think if you know going back to blame, if we do pin some blame, it's got to be on this lineup that's not producing. And then uh, we almost forgot the name of this event, and uh, we'll we'll tease right now the Dairy Queen Classic Big Ten or Dairy Queen Classic Slash. Big Ten, Pac-12 Challenge. Uh, we'll, we'll actually have an interview later in the show with uh, someone who was there at that uh, at that uh, event, Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball. He'll join us a little bit later in the show. But he, he I mean, he mentioned that Michigan State's been in these tight games, and, and another one happens on Sunday. Michigan State gets their only win of the weekend, 3-2 over Arizona on a walk-off, uh, in walk-off fashion. Michigan State hung with these teams. I mean, I mean, UCLA maybe not the closest game in the world, but these are two tight results against teams that are are not bar are not basement dwellers in the Pac-12. Yeah, and listen, this this is no surprise. Seeing Michigan State hang around teams losing by you know one or two runs that's no surprise. But the question goes to why are they losing these close games, or why are they 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 giving up these leads in the later innings? And those are those those are the things we're going to have to dive into, and those are the things we're going to track later on in the season and as the season progresses. I think it's something where we've got to kind of eyeball it right now because we can only go off of, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll lay it bare with the people, I think. I mean, the, the the most we have to go off of right now on our end are, is tweets from MSU's Twitter account, from their Michigan State baseball account. I mean, once once we can eye test some of these some of these games and figure out what's what's really going on, I mean, are they... You can follow the play-by-play as much as you want, but those are really tell you the full story. Is it, you know, just maybe momentum? Is it some sort of, is it a walk here or there to the wrong guy? We're, it'll be something I think having those powers of observation is going to maybe give us a better chance of telling the listeners what this team is really like because they're losing these one-run games and it's close and that's great, but we really don't know the full story yet. And you can look at 410 and say, Jake Boss, what's going on? What are you doing? But on the other side, there's, I feel like you know, there's give and take with a lot of those situations. Yeah, for sure. The the eyeball test is is something that we're gonna need, and that'll come as soon as Thursday. You know, uh, Niagara against Niagara. Field should be set. Field field is ready. Field is ready. They were practicing on it today. So we're looking for. I think all three of us are definitely looking forward to finally seeing this team with our own eyes for the first time, at least. Yeah, it's kind of a. I wouldn't say too much of a new look team, but definitely a, a lot of changes and, and a lot of inserts and different lineups uh, on any given game with different pitchers, different defenses. So I'm excited to see. I don't think we're going to get maybe the same lineup for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see how many, you know, different defensive alignments and, and, and you know inserts that we can see one of the one of the pitchers that neither you or I have seen yet is is Mason Erla that I'm talking to you and I is in Tino since Noah's uh, new to the campus here I haven't seen anybody yet 
Mason Erla has been, I think, the brightest spot on this entire team. If you compare it with Anton Cic, who we'll, we'll look at his overall stats a little bit later. He's 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 your starter against against Arizona. Goes six innings, only gives up two runs. His, he'll have some better performances. We'll tell you about in just a second. But Mason Erla being this this kind of I don't know what I'm gonna say bona fide sure thing starter, but he's been he's turned in at least a handful of solid solid appearances so far, and has been you know he's pitching relatively deep into a game for a third starter. I think he's at least as as I mentioned before, keeping MSU in the game. Maybe it's just a situation where. MSU is happening to win the games that that he's starting. Maybe it's just luck of the draw. I don't know, I don't know if it's luck of the draw. He's got a two point eight two ERA, and he's striking out. I mean, he's got fifteen Ks in twenty two and a third inning. So, I mean, he's he's going. He's pitching deeper into games, and he's he's keeping them in there. So, I don't. I wouldn't say it's luck of the draw. I mean, he's, he's the numbers show he's pitching well. And maybe maybe the one underlying thing with him is not a heavy strikeout guy, but mm-hmm. I, I will say about about this these stats from uh, this is just Arizona, but. 12 flyouts to three ground outs. Uh, that, that does kind of worry you, I guess. Maybe we'll see if I, I mean, we'll do a little research and see if he's toned it down a little bit later on. But uh, Earl has been, I think, a revelation so far. And he he pops up again later on the weekend. So one and two there in Minneapolis against the Pac 12. I put in solid performances. I know, I know you were, I mean, we were saying get one win. They got one win and they hang on the other two games. I mean, that's, I think, as much as we can ask for as observers with a keen interest in Michigan State baseball at this point. Yeah, and just just talking about Erla a little bit more, he's you know I think he's the pitcher that we kind of expected Macaulay to be to this point, if, if that's fair to say. Um, I certainly maybe yeah. I certainly thought that, and same thing with Ethan Landon. I mean, he's not doing terrible, and same thing with Jake Lowry. You know, Erla's really he's kind of carrying this this load. I mean, he's starting these Sunday games, and he's going to start. Again, on uh, well, he's starting the third game of the series on Saturday, but he's starting later in the series. So it's not to have the pitcher that's performing the way he is. It's not bad to have him in the later portion of a series to finish that off. Yeah, even even emotionally, because having a guy who you can trust on the, on that day, especially you can it determines whether or not you win or lose series. And of course, winning series gets you in that general trend of. Moving back towards 500, going on from there, aiming for a Big Ten tournament run at the very least. But I, I think it's definitely helpful that even even if McCauley's not going to go out and give you a dominant performance here and there. I mean, he's 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 a guy that we've only seen pitch once a weekend for, for at least in this early start of the season. Came in against uh, Clemson, who we'll talk about in just a second here. But it's it's been. I think having him in that in that rotation really changes how the boss can kind of use his pitchers. I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily going to move things around just yet, but it might be something that say he continues to pitch well. Why not? Why not move him up a little bit? Yeah, and at the very least, he's going to keep you in games. I mean, we're we're, we're noticing that right now. One against one run against Fresno State, no runs against Washington. You gave up five against Pepperdine in Illinois, but Illinois is you know a team we're going to talk about, and, and they're. They've bounced back. I mean, from their 2015 season after their 50 and 10 and one record, kind of had a couple of down seasons. But that's not something that's bad for Ryan McCauley. He's holding. He's keeping the Spartans in these games. That's uh, kind of the general trend. I think we're, that's that's we're getting. I think just think Earl has at least been capitalizing on his opportunity. Maybe just pitching that little extra bit better that MSU needs to win games. Is that is that maybe seem seem fair to you guys? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I mean, like, you look at, I mean, like, guys step up in must win situations. So I think that he's doing a job at that, especially, I mean, he's not really put in, like, any, he's the number three starter. So he's not, there's not, like, a whole ton of pressure on him either. And, and he hasn't had that game where he's going to go. I don't think he's that type of pitcher to go eight innings, you know, 12 strikeouts, hold a guy to maybe a handful of hits. But I don't think any of these pitchers are. Right. And well, okay. Well, I mean, John Olson did that for UCLA. Maybe that's a separate issue. Maybe that's why he's a preseason All American. But so that's that's Michigan State's weekend in Minnesota. I'd say they met expectations, maybe, I, I think is, is, fair. A, is a fair yeah. way to say it. So then they moved to Greenville, South Carolina for the. Uh, for this during spring break, they were in the middle of spring break. I think I was just getting onto my cruise when uh when they go up against Clemson is uh, is a nice little test. Tenth team in the nation. Uh, if you if you follow the amateur draft in baseball at all, you'll know Seth Beer's name as uh from Clemson, the the power hitter, someone who uh is definitely on the radar for a lot of major league teams as as a power guy. He is uh one of the better power hitters in the nation. Only hits one, gets one hit from a five at bats, but. Michigan State holds a seven nothing lead after five after five innings. Well, after four. Top half of the fifth. Michigan State's the home team. Nine run inning for Clemson. They go on to win nine seven. Your culprits, if you if you have them technically. Caleb Sleeman, two thirds of an inning, six runs, six earned runs, four hits. It's 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 looking dicey. So there, you're six five. You're still maybe in the game. Evan Floor comes in. The only two batters he faces, they both score, somehow or another. Two hits for them. Or no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Even, okay, he doesn't even give him up a hit. He walks both of them. Ends up being the losing pitcher record there. Jake Lowry stops a bleeding inning in two thirds. Mike Mockman comes in. Jesse Heikinen comes in. Jesse Heikinen's been uh, maybe recovering from a slow start. It looks like a much better pitcher than he was earlier on in the year. Holt product. Exactly. So a little local flavor, but this still stands. You had a 7 nothing lead against the number 10 team in the nation, and you lose that game. Like, what do you, what do you, what more, what more do you want to, to, that's, that's such a feather in the, re, that's such a feather in the cap when it comes to the resume. I wonder if they kind of found themselves in a position they weren't supposed to be in, and they're like, Whoa, maybe, maybe, maybe we should, Maybe we should give up some, you know, nine runs this inning or something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Sleeman, you said it: six runs, four hits, two walks. It's it's inexcusable. Is that fair to say? Maybe uh, inexcusable. I mean, well, okay, surely he would not be impressed with that performance. But I think that's his only main blemish. That that said, that's I mean, I wouldn't say he single-handedly lost the team the game. But obviously, it doesn't it goes a long way when you give up six runs in two thirds of an inning. I mean, Tyransky, for his part, let up only one hit in his three and two-thirds innings. I think he started that game maybe just to give the starters a little bit of rest. But Mitch Tyransky is a guy who we'll mention later, has come in and played or pitched fabulously, I think, out of the bullpen. There's a couple of names that we'll, we'll, we'll touch on as, as guys who have come out of the pen and done pretty solid. But, I mean, up to that point, Sleeman had been that guy, and now all of a sudden... That that's one game, but that's a tough, tough game to lose. I, I I'm not gonna say I don't know how you do it because Clemson's definitely a team that deserves their top ten ranking and has an offense that's very solid. But nine runs in an inning, it 
that's inexcusable. And I think is... I think we can call that as an excusable, and that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely inexcusable. I mean, when you have, like you said, us, you know, they jumped out such a big lead early, and they had six uh, six runs on them uh, before the inning. But I mean, look, at, I, I think there's there's some good to take away. I mean, they they eight innings of this game, they pitched or I mean, they played really well against number ten school in the country. So I think that like that is the other side. I mean, maybe 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 the optimists view of that. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the offensive side, I mean, eight, six runs in the first three innings, not too bad. I mean, Ryan King's your leadoff guy, goes two for five. Roy Sando goes four for five. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, about a little bit about who's hitting and who's not in just a second, but, I mean, you, you, you put up a few runs on Clemson to start out the game, I guess. Yeah, that's that's definitely the, the I only guess, bright I, I, spot. I guess that's where you, you kind of... Draw positives from this game. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, if you're coach boss, do you do you draw any yeah. positives? I mean, I, I guess you, you mentioned this from the first three innings. I guess from the first four innings, where you were up six nothing on the top ten team in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, started. The thing is, it's, it's a long season too. I mean, all right, is this is this going to stick in the memory a little bit? Maybe, and it should. You say you, you say long long season, and this has also been a long. I mean, non-conference yeah, okay. road schedule, yeah, so maybe through. maybe it was getting to them a little bit too. Yeah, you roll through and you, you've gone all these places. I mean, surely, sure, you're on spring breaks. So you don't have to deal with class or any of that. But I mean, you were just in Minneapolis. Now you're moving somewhere else. I wonder. I wonder if that's going to affect how they play this entire month of games, where they don't have to do too much, too much traveling, where they're usually either at home or they're going to Kalamazoo somewhere nearby. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, it definitely has a, a potential to change things. It could be an advantage, if anything, but uh, it's tough to say in this cold weather. I mean, it's it's very it's it's unpredictable, really. So that's that's your one side of it, and then they moved things some things around. There was some inclement weather in Cal- in Southern Carolina. Somehow, I don't understand how it happens, but they they moved around some Sunday games. They played a doubleheader on the was it Friday night then? So night so this last Friday night, if you're listening to this this week, hopefully you are. They lose to Illinois. They they probably get Illinois and Furman. They get two games against Illinois. They lose the first one, fifteen to four. And and Illinois looks like a team. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on it with Eric Sorensen a little bit later. But they are getting a little bit of national exposure now. I mean, they they had a really good year in twenty fifteen. Uh, went closer to five hundred in twenty sixteen. So a down year, or it was. You said twenty, so twenty fifteen they go fifty ten and one, and yep. then just kind of cooled off since then. Last year, around five hundred. This year they bring back some guys. They seem to have a team that could challenge in the Big Ten at the very least. Yeah, Illinois is definitely going to be a team to keep your eye on. I mean, they can definitely hit, and we see that putting fifteen runs on the board. They have a really good middle infield, um, Ben Troik and Michael Massey, and Michael Massey is actually a former teammate of Michigan State's own Ryan King. So. And also three huge transfers that they got, one from Eastern Illinois and one from Louisville, one from Houston. So kind of a retooling, I wouldn't say rebuilding, but kind of a retooling um, of the fighting Illini. So that 15-4 win, I mean, I think it kind of speaks to the team that Illinois can be the rest of the season. McCarley goes the first four innings, only gives up two runs. Wheels kind of fall off in the fifth. He ends up with five earned runs in the loss. I mean... But I'd say okay, it's his worst performance so far of the year, but I, I, it's are we 
is the jury still out, I guess? On, I mean, is the sample size large enough to where we can say this is a success or a failure to move them out of the pen and move them into the rotation? Or is it something that you think is kind of born out of necessity? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say quite yet. I'd give him a little bit longer. I'd stretch it out. But, I mean, it hasn't been overly impressive by any means so far. And I think it's been really, like, it's been underwhelming what he's done so far. But, I, yeah, I'd, I I wouldn't mind seeing him come out, of the, come out of the pen and give some other guys a chance to start, get some fresh arms in there. I mean, they have options, yeah. at the very least, to bring out. I mean, Andrew Gonzalez has been around a while. I don't know if you want to pencil him in as your Friday night guy, per se. But they have obviously Keegan Barr came in in relief of that game, gave up five runs and inning and it's two thirds. So I mean, say what you want about Keegan Barr, I don't know if his days are numbered or not. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like that. That sounds a little, a little harsh. Uh, a little harsh. harsh. Yeah. But it might be. It might seem like he's kind of reserved to mop up duty for the rest of the year. Yeah, or, or midweek games. We can see him a lot in midweek games yeah, as, a, as an innings guy. Yeah. Or maybe a spot start here or there, but. Zach Iverson um, coming in a pitch. I'm, I'm a fan that? of that. So a position player pitching, I, we saw that a lot in the majors last year. I think it was, it was I'm, as as you do uh, reading a little fan graphs, and uh, I think they had a chart where you know it's 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 a small little line for however long, and then it shoots up this last year. And it's, I mean, it's fair with with the with the focus on injuries and the professional game, and uh, the the willingness to try something fun. I mean, hey. I, if I knew for sure that a position player was going to be pitching in a major league game, I'd stick around. Even if it's a blowout, I'd stick around to the 8th and ninth inning and watch that. I mean, would you guys not? I would. No, are you a fan of that? I'd for sure watch it. That's a little uh, little synergy there in the podcast. A little good question and answer segment. I mean, if Zach Iverson is, he is listed in, in the media guide as a pitcher as well. Um, two, walks, with, two, two walks, two strikeouts. He, and he inning must of work, have looked good. Yeah. No hits, no runs. That's he all must I'm have, say. He must have looked good, but I, I don't think we're going to see much of Iverson on the mound um, this year unless they get in more games like this. So, you know, I wish that was something we saw in person, but um, unless they get blown out again, I don't think we're going to see something like this. So here's here's where you run into a bit of a problem. You lose to, you lose to Clemson. You lose to the other two, Washington and UCLA. Sure, that's great. That's that's final. And then you go and you lose the first game of the doubleheader to Furman. Three to two, another gall dang one run game. It it's it's gonna come back to bite this team at some point in the future. I mean, whether it comes to tournament seeding, it doesn't really affect the Big Ten season yet, unless they go out and lose a bunch of one run games there. It is it, you can't even say it's unlucky. It's just they're not putting themselves in a position to win games. It's kind of their staple now. I mean it is. Furman Furman is a good baseball team. They're ten and six right now. With the win over South Carolina in Columbia, so that's that's an impressive win right there. I mean, okay, say say what you maybe it's a, maybe it's a better quality loss than than losing to uh, maybe Washington, but it's another one run game. I mean, say what you want about who you're playing. It could be Washington. It could be anyone. Win your one run games. Win your win your tight games. The first time Michigan State wins a tight game again this year against someone not named Niagara, I think we'll be shouting from the rooftops. I mean, that might be a little bit of an overstatement, but it's the 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 sentiment holds true. This team starts winning one run games, and all of a sudden perception changes. It's it's so easy because uh, say the season size is too long, too short, whatever. Every game still counts, for, at least for something. Yeah, I can see this 
progressing the rest of the season too. I mean, we we've, we've seen this last season. Maybe, so, maybe but... not though. I mean, you look at it. Maybe you see one run games as kind of a random number generator, and you say, "All right, maybe they'll win this one. Maybe they won't." Does that does that make kind of, does that make any sense? We're I mean, talking it, flip of the coin here. Or no, yeah, like where 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 these things are kind of these one run games, these types of things, they're just coin flips, and maybe for the last year and a half, year and a half of a season, this team has struggled in in one run games, and now all of a sudden maybe the luck's gonna swing back the other way. I mean, I'd I'd like to hope so. I mean, you look at all those one run games, and they're they're so close to to kind of like breaking past that point and they're staying in there with all these good teams so I think that like I mean a little bit of luck but I think that I mean there's there's a lot of things that's been wrong with them too I mean you look at that double header on uh on the ninth and they I mean the first game against uh Illinois they let up 14 free passes to first base I think they had 11 walks in the game three hit batters and then uh Ethan Landon walked five more and they're, they're letting up a lot of like free free passes and they gotta they've gotta just play smarter baseball and they've gotta they will like you know go in there and and kind of just play more aggressive. I, I like that point because Boss brought that up too in in a little bit of what he was saying post game from the weekend was you know we if we're gonna beat ourselves essentially I'm paraphrasing at this point because I don't have the quote in front of me but if we're gonna beat ourselves it, it, you're gonna have obviously have a worse shot losing games. My thing is, say you beat Washington and say you beat Furman, all of a sudden you're five and five and eight and the season's not looking so bad right now. Right and or six and six and eight somewhere in there. Right, and I think a lot of these one-run games for me, it has to either be on the bullpen, be in those you know late innings, giving up runs like you know Jake Lowry did. Sleeman gave up you know the, all those six runs in, in that inning, but also the offense. We see this late inning offense for Michigan State isn't going to work all the time. And we saw them walk off against Arizona and Furman. They scored their two runs and. The later portion of the later portion of the game, so they gotta they gotta score early. They, they gotta score often, or else they're gonna find themselves in in a hole late. You know, late. It's tough too, cause you you say that, and then we don't know if it's a bullpen, but Landon ends up with the loss, zero and three on the season now. But he went seven innings, but then he also is seven innings, three earned runs, and all. And that's when I think it turns back into the problem being the bats and. Your your starter can give you six or seven innings of solid work, and the bullpen is seemingly not screwing things up. Where does the blame fall? Ding 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 ding. The team's not hitting. I think in this this non conference road schedule, we I thought we would have seen the bats light up. I mean, two weekends in a row in California, indoors in right. Minneapolis, Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, you. That's that's made. Where, you where, where, made do you, for where do you want to go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty much it's pretty much a common known fact that offense isn't isn't great in the cold. So it, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put even you know less lesser amount of runs early. Where where are you going with that though? I, I mean, we see these averages; they're so low. The no, team so, so, you say, you, so you say they regret. You're saying regress to the mean at some point, or are you yeah. saying yeah? Well, so, I, so you you're can't saying get that, any lower, can you? I mean, right, you can, no, that's, but that's, that's what I'm thinking. Is eventually, I think it's just a situation where you ride it out. You let your guys not hit. Eventually, they start hitting because a lot of these guys in the team they're not true talent, two hundred hitters, two talent, one hundred hitters at the college level at least. I mean, you look at Bryce Kelly at three fifty one last year, so. 
right now, I mean, he he hit a little bit over over the break, up to ten hits and fifty plate appearances. We'll quickly run through. The, we're at forty five minutes right now. I know. So we'll let's quickly. Well, that's adding in the interview, but we'll quickly run through some of the guys up and down on the team. Zach Iverson was hitting quite a, quite well over the uh, over the spring break, up to two eighty one in the year. Antonio's still leading the way at three fifty four. 17 hits, one homer, four RBIs, getting on base pretty solidly. I think he leads the team. Yeah, tied for the team lead in walks. This guy is someone who we uh, did not really see coming. Sorry. But, hey, I'll take it. If if Bryce Kelly and, and Danny Gleaves are not going to hit, by all means, Justin Antone should step on down. Yeah, he's the bright spot of this offense right now. I mean, he's he's the guy that they're pretty much leaning on. He's... You know, had a couple hit streaks so far. Very, very short, modest hit streaks. But I mean, he's he's hitting the ball. He's hitting it consistently. He's getting on base, and that's and that's what this team needs. That's what this team needs more of. Ryan King sitting at three hundred now, continuing to hit. Uh, has now started twelve of thirteen games. They've played fourteen on the year. So I mean, Jake Boss obviously trusts Ryan King right away, as I'm, as I'm sure Tino can attest to. You know, Knows Ryan maybe a little bit better than than most would, but I mean, Noah, you look at Antonius is three fifty four, Ando's three thirty three, Kings at three hundred. After that, it kind of falls off a cliff. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at after. I mean, Iverson's hitting two eighty one, but the next guy, uh, two fifty six, Chimalewski, Chimalewski, and then, and then drops on two seventeen, Kina two hundred, and then the you, rest can, you can tell where it's going from there. Yeah, and you know, like so, anything sub two hundred is not acceptable, but it's like. You have guys like, uh, you know, you have guys like Chad Ross Kelly hit over 300 last season, is hitting below 100. I mean, Bailey Peterson's hitting 143. Uh, Danny Gleaves hitting 156. Guys like you expected to step up are haven't been stepping up yet, and I think that that that's been the problem. If if we can quickly backtrack, we we almost left out Mason Erla's game against Illinois, but very quickly, uh, retired 10 in a row at one point, held Illinois, who had been hitting the lights out. Held them to just the uh, just the I mean four runs on the game. This is that's pretty solid performance. He got named Big Ten uh, Player of the Week or was it Pitcher of the Week, Freshman of the Week, one of the three. Freshman of the Week. Freshman of the Week for your trouble. So the redshirt freshman making him making himself a name, I think, in the Big Ten, and I think that's the one way to do it is a team like Illinois going out and, and being the streak snapper. Yeah, that, that that's really impressive, honestly. I- Coach Boss was talking about him today on Spartan Sports Network, and and he was just raving about Mason Erla and just how he was able to bounce back from his injury. He sustained in football, um, you know, quite a while ago. But he's really been a bright spot, and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing him in person. But kind of want to touch on Bailey Peterson here, since we were talking about the offense very quickly. He was someone that we were expecting to light it up from the from the get go, but he hasn't been getting many chances. His last official at bat was against UCLA quite some time ago. Played did, appearance, though. Did Johnny walk since then? I mean, we probably should... He walked against research. Clemson. So, I mean, that's the plate appearance. That's a, I, I go by plate appearance rather than at bat. I don't know if that's... That's, that's fair, that's, yeah. I think that's fair. But, yeah. I think so for the, the effect, I win. Right, there you go. <laughs> so, there, there's a situation where you were expecting, or we, I suppose, were expecting him to slide into that second base role. And so far, it's been kind of Ando being slid over by King, so kind of a ripple effect. But if, if we thought he'd be a guy who can hit, and now all of a sudden, not quite. 
Yeah, one forty three average. That I'm three for twenty one. I mean, that's it's it doesn't look good for Bailey Peterson right now. So the, we'll, we'll run quickly through the rest of uh, what we were trying to get to two. Uh, since the green and white report guys are looking over a shoulder right now uh, from outside the door, but so a couple guys I want to hit on: Mitch Tyransky, Mike Machma, Jesse Heikinen, uh Mason Erla. You're you're kind of leaders in Team ERA right now. Tyransky and Machma have been excellent, I think, out of the bullpen so far. Both around, or Tyransky and Machma at least, 14 innings, one run for Tyransky, 12 innings in a third for Machma, another earned run. I mean, I don't know if you really called the bullpen a question mark per se, but you've got to admit these guys have kind of exceeded what we thought they were capable of. I did. I, I was worried because... Inserting McCauley into that starting ace role, I, I didn't know how the bullpen would hold up. But I mean, it's holding up pretty well. And and in a, you know, for a team that doesn't that that loses these one run games, I mean, that's definitely a bright spot when you see your bullpen performing the way they are. And now it is our is our privilege to bring on Eric Sorensen of D One Baseball, uh, probably the first guest I think that that we've had. Uh, we. Are we sure? Did Barnes ever have a balloon on? We're we're not going to throw shade at Barnes here, but do we think maybe yes or no? My guess is no. So uh, the very possibly the very first guest on in Morning Tracks history, and uh, we'll bring on Eric right now. Started storming, and luckily my plane got out just in time. But uh, yeah, the weather cooperated as far as just you know being able to get around and all that kind of stuff. Excellent stuff. So I'm sure plenty of baseball that you saw over the weekend, but. Uh, Maybe a couple of initial takeaways. I know we've progressed a little bit of the ways in the season since then, but I mean, plenty of teams out there, uh, Washington, yeah. UCLA among them. And maybe your initial takeaways from the weekend, maybe starting off with well, Michigan State. It was, it was kind of – the thing I was impressed with was, first of all, I didn't expect Illinois to be as good as they were. Uh, in the Pac-10 – I'm sorry, the Big Ten this year, I expect Illinois to probably be one of the better teams now after seeing what I saw that weekend – but that's not too much of a slight against Minnesota or Michigan State because the all of those teams played really well against and actually the the uh, the Big Ten won more games than the Pac-12 did so they actually sort of won the challenge if you if you could uh, put it that way. But I saw nine games out there over three days, and six of them were decided by the eighth inning or later. So it was. Very, very good competition, very close, I thought, and, and that kind of surprised me too. So you got two takeaways from it, Illinois being as good as they were or seemed to be as good as they were, and just the fact that the Big Ten played one more games and played just on the same level as the Pac-12 teams did. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was good and a good omen probably for what's going to happen in the Big Ten this year. Eric, I saw you call Illinois – Silly putty. Can you uh, kind of display, uh, explain or describe that that reference there? Oh crap! How did I how did I word that? I think I was just saying that they were. Oh, I was kind of saying you can beat them up, you can kind of pound them around, and you could that you can just they take everything they they take everything that you give them, and they then they kind of mold themselves to whatever needs to be done to win. They could they they played well in in all areas, uh, defensively especially. They didn't they didn't commit a single error the the entire weekend. But and then they have a lot of versatility to their offense. I mean, they have some guys that can that can mash the ball. Not huge. I mean, they don't have a murderer's row necessarily. But they have and they have some guys that can play some good station to station baseball. And they're just a very sound team. It seemed like. I thought that was uh, again. This was this was coming from the, a place where I I did not expect Illinois to be the team that sort of won 
the Dairy Queen Classic Championship, if you will. But uh, they're a good team. I was very impressed with Dan Hartlib's club. He's the head coach. And he was very – he kind of made it sound like he knew his team was going to be good this year. And uh, and it kind of you – know, last year they went through a lot of injuries and, and some downtime and some inexperience. And this year all that experience comes back, and uh, they've got a good squad. So you look at going away from Illinois for just a second, you go to two teams who are, I think, ex- expected to be maybe in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten in, in Minnesota and Michigan State. Minnesota yeah. on, on the radar for MSU somewhere in, down the line. Of course, we got a, a whole month's worth of, uh, of baseball in the Michigan area, over I think, which is probably unprecedented for, uh, for, for a Midwest yeah. school. So w- w- anything you see from Minnesota that uh, maybe, maybe will uh, prove to be true later in the season as well? Yeah, I, first of all, I thought Minnesota, most of their players came back, the position players came back this year from last year's. I think they have eight returning starters out of the nine. Um, and last year, I thought they were one of the better left-handed batting orders I'd seen all season. And they had just, I think, seven. The time the game I saw them play against UC Irvine, they had seven batters that hit from the left side this year. It's about more of the same. They're a very experienced team when it comes to the position players and at the batting order. The only problem, if you will, is their pitching is very young. They're very young on the mound. Uh, a lot of new guys, some transfers, and, uh, and using freshmen here and there. But the other thing is they're still one of the better pitching staffs. I know it's early, but statistics-wise, I think their pitching staff, the team ERA, is in the, in the 30 to 40 range of Division One. So they're still pitching pretty good. I think they're going to be a pretty complete team. Once all these guys get a little bit more experience and it starts getting warmer up there, you know, like April and May, I think Minnesota's going to be a pretty good team this year. I don't expect to see them. I'm not sure they're going to win the Big Ten this year because the Big Ten's going to be pretty balanced and going to have a lot of good teams at the top. But I expect to see them uh, to see them win over 30 games and maybe make a play for the NCAA tournament at an at-large team. Another team looking to to make a play at the the national tournament, I think, is maybe starting to maybe set their sights on a Big Ten tournament appearance to start off with, and that's and that's yeah. Michigan State, one and two over the weekend, two very close games, one on the walk off against Arizona, took took Washington to extra innings, and then of course ran into uh, to Olson in that middle game. Uh, what, what's what's the outlook here after a weekend where, as you said, the Big Ten has hung with a, these Pac-12 teams, and you yeah. look at their season going ahead. Uh, with with Big Ten play on the horizon. Here's here's the thing about Michigan State that I thought about when I was kind of looking at it again here in the last day or two before I knew I was coming on the show. I knew that they were a good team. They lost, I think, I know they're only 4-10, and ten, but I could swear at least half, maybe six of those games they've lost by a single run or extra innings. And so that kind of tells you that they're, you know, they're not overwhelmed. They came out to Fresno State. They did lose all four games but three of them were by one run. And then they went to Pepperdine and won two out of three against Pepperdine, who's a pretty good team. So when I saw them up there at, there in Minnesota at the U.S. Bank Stadium, I was expecting them to be pretty good, and they were. I mean, they're not world beaters, and their hitting is really kind of weak right now. They, uh, they need to get the, Their bats need to come around. They've got a lot of guys where you kind of look at them. I was down on field level during the game, and you kind of look at them and you go, okay, these guys look like they can play. They look like they've got some physicality to them, and they do. Um, they do got, they've got some guys that can swing it and hit some, uh, and hit some home runs. They've got guys that can play the small ball. They're, they're kind of they're similar to Illinois in that sense. But 
they have three guys that are hitting above 300. Then after that, it pretty much dovetails down, and that's why the team average is only 224. But I think that the thing is they're going to have decent pitching, a lot of good pitching coming back this year, and uh, and and yeah, their their bats are good enough if they can get them going that they can uh, they can push for obviously making it to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament this year, and uh, maybe making it to the NCAA tournament. But yeah, they'll they're not. They don't put out a big alarm to me, even though they're only four and ten. I don't. I'm not hitting a panic button when I'm looking at Michigan State because they competed. They've competed very well and done and came close to having. I mean, they they're within a couple of breaks of having not just a winning record, but being ten and four instead of four and ten. So then, I think we're about halfway through March here. Uh, by by the time this uh, ends up on on the internet, so. Uh, yep. is, is it too early to talk about national title conversation? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Florida's been uh, been mentioned as a, as a he's like pretty consensus number one. I mean, from where yeah. I've looked. No, it's it's never too early to talk Omaha. It's never too early to talk national championships. To be not in my eyes. I mean, I'm a I'm an addict for this for this stupid sport. So it's never too early for me. But yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it. Florida and Oregon State, who have both been number one. Now Oregon State's number one after Florida lost a couple times last week. But both of those teams have been in the top two spots all season, you know, in this in this month or so that the season has been. And they're both a lot of experience back from Omaha teams last year. There's no doubt that those two teams are going to be two of the favorites to get back to Omaha again. And then you see some that are kind of emerging a little bit, like Stanford is a team I've seen a couple times this year up at up in Palo Alto. They've got a new head coach in Dave Esker who came over from Cal, and they got everybody back and a great, great pitching staff with a lot of guys, a, a number of guys that are going to be in the big leagues. And then uh, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky's another team that's kind of come around uh, the last few years, and I think that they've got a really good squad. Those four teams right now that are at the top of the polls, they're there for a reason, and I think, uh, I think they all have an even shot at getting to Omaha, especially, again, especially Oregon State and Florida, because they've got that postseason experience from last year, and, of course, Florida winning it all, that, that is, that's never a bad thing to have under your belt going into the next season. So those are kind of the teams that you look for right now, um, but more will emerge. It's just that's, that's how things look right now, though, on, on the national landscape. Since we're on this national topic, Eric, how is the Big Ten – thought of from being an outsider kind of outside looking in being out west and traveling and doing doing as much as you do you know big 10 isn't necessarily a conference that puts a ton of teams each year in the national tournament so again how how is the big 10 thought of on the outside looking in well if you ask somebody from the deep south they're gonna they're gonna ask you know isn't that a hockey conference you know what do they (laughs) do they have baseball but they're just they're they're kind of ignorant to how good the big 10 is to be honest with you the big 10's really i'm proud of the big 10 because um you know i i I, the last few years last like say eight to ten years every team in the conference has like rebuilt its facilities or built a new facility and gotten good coaches um, and that's that's the thing that's kind of made a difference. And they've made a quantum leap into into college baseball the last few years because of it. And now you're seeing, like for instance, Indiana is a team that's in you know our our top 25. D1 baseball's top 25. I think they're number 14 or 15 in our rankings. And and they've and and you know ever since Tracy Smith was there as head coach, he's really he turned the program around. And now it's now it's doing it's it's got a great new stadium. And a great coaching staff that replaced Tracy Smith uh, with uh, Chris Lamonis, who came over from Louisville. 
They're a good, they're a good program. Uh, Purdue built a brand new baseball facility. And now after a few down years, they're back into having a really good team. And I think just across the board, and of course, like Nebraska and Maryland, the last few years have been NCAA tournament regulars. And then, uh, oh, and I, I know you guys are a Michigan State school, but I hate to say it, Michigan, Eric Backish at Michigan. Mm-hmm. That's, probably mm-hmm. a, that's probably a dirty word on this show, I'd imagine. Oh, but, oh no, I don't know Michigan, about that. Michigan has been, has Eric Backish, the head coach there, has turned that program around, and they're a team that they've scuffled a little bit here out of the gate, but like, you know, that, you know they, they've gone to the NCAA tournament since he's been there in Ann Arbor. So it's like everybody, and I, and I like to say this about the Big Ten, everybody has upped the ante and answered the challenge of, you know, a few years ago when Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney was was uh, bad-mouthing about how hard it was for the Big Ten to get it and, and unfair for a team to get it to Omaha. And, you know, now they've overcome it. I think this is this has been a great resurgence for this conference. And uh, and, and to me, it, it's it's probably the most improved conference over the last five to six years just because everybody, again, everybody's made, put the money, put the commitment into the sport and, uh, and built new facilities or, or improved their facilities and, and, and hired the right guy. It seems like uh, they've got great coaches all the way around. So the Big Ten is definitely on the, on the, uh, on the way up. So still a couple of weeks before the Big Ten season starts in earnest. Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball. You can find him on Twitter at Stitch underscore head. Eric, very yep. much appreciated for you coming on. Uh, well, maybe get you on later in the season if we can to talk a little bit about a uh, Big Ten tournament. Oh, that'd be a beauty. In fact, I'm tentatively planning on maybe going to the Big Ten tournament this year since I'm from Omaha and I have free place to stay. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll keep an eye on you guys. And, yeah, you know, thanks for sharing the airwaves with me. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Got it. And now our, our perfunctory uh, preview of Niagara. That's a nice little alliteration by me there. They are 2-8. and eight. Their best win is at Marshall. I'll say it now. They've got to win three out of four. Noah, your thoughts? Yeah, they got to win three out of four, especially home opener, I think. And with the with the current statement, they're four and ten. They got they got to get some quality wins just to just to turn the season around. And Niagara's not a quality win, but you. I mean, yeah. You, you, these are bad losses. Yeah. I think is what is it the flip side of that is you you're coming in from they're coming in from out of state. You can you've got to hold serve at home. I think that's going to be the key. Michigan State's season going forward is winning your home games and then going out, or at least winning series at home, and then going out on the road maybe picking up a game here or there. Yeah, Coach Boss always talks about playing with pride, with the sense of pride when he, when they play at home. And, 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 and okay, it's tough because sometimes they're playing in front of only a couple hundred people, but at the same time, I mean, home home field is home field, at least a little bit in baseball. It's, it's, it's different in college baseball because especially up Midwest. No, this is not a spectator sport. It's a little different down South though. I mean, you look at teams like A&M, is A&M the team with the, with the ball four, ball yeah. five? That's, that's some nutty stuff there. So I, I think, you know, winning these home games here, get three out of four here and go from there. I mean, it, it'll be something at least to put, to put up on the mantle, get you closer to 500 and you can maybe attack the rest of the, maybe the start of your big 10 slate with a little bit of confidence. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see Macaulay on Thursday, Landon Friday, early Saturday to be announced on Sunday. So, I mean, you have your ace. That confirmed? You, you three confirmed okay. uh, via Spartan Sports Network. Thoughts on that? Uh, was it, You said Landon for game two? Landon game two, early yeah. Saturday. I mean, I, I, would you really mess with it right now, though, since they're so early in the season? I wouldn't mess with it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you put on your baseball manager cap real quick. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with the. I mean, it's still early. These guys, I mean, they're still working stuff out. I mean, they've, they're going to get loose, and they get. I mean, we're we're still early, like I said. If if uh, if Niagara wins wins two or three out of four, it'll probably be because of uh, Greg Cullen. All right, so Niagara's played ten games. He's I mean, small sample size, but he's hitting five thirteen. Uh, I think if we if we put him on Michigan State, would he? Would he be responsible for every single one of Michigan State's runs in some form or another? You very well could be. I mean, you could double their uh, their run output from there. Uh, head coach Rob McCoy. Mm-mm. I'm going to say this right now. I've never heard of him. I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, if you're out there, we'd love to get you on the show. You can contact us. Uh, our, our studio number is 517-432-3893. Had to get that uh, one time for the one time. But Niagara, not a team that is... Um, is is really challenging for NCAA tournament bids. They've only had a couple players lately get drafted. They had two players drafted last year. Uh, last year was was twenty four and twenty four, and that was their sixth best overall record in school history. Make uh, make of that what you will. Uh, Niagara beat number twelve Virginia last year in one game. That is the highest ranked opponent at number twelve that Niagara's ever beaten. I don't know how much that matters. I don't think that really matters. That Not much. very much. I mean, no, in just in, like in, in a general sense of here's your accomplishment list, and I mean, for any for, any for any number for school, sure. I know for any number yeah. of schools. I mean, I don't know. Uh, they've had teams named players named all conference teams, but going back a little bit, sixteen thirty seven one in twenty sixteen, thirteen thirty two and two in twenty fifteen. This is not a team that should be challenging to split this series with Michigan State, but. Would with so it's three out of four. I, I put that in the doc. Is that acceptable for you guys? Three out of four from from this. It's fine with me. I mean, allowing for a little bit of variance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I get like you said. The only bright spot really for Niagara is is Greg Collin, fourth in the NCAA in batting average at five thirteen. So I mean, he's tearing five, the cover. Five thirteen. He's tearing the cover off the ball. So, I mean, Coach Boss was. Say what you want about sample him. sizes, but that's a couple of weekends where it's 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 a it's a nice little hot streak. I yeah. guess, and I think I think that's what you can kind of categorize any of these stats right now. For 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 players is such a small sample size. Maybe you'll say it's a little streak. So maybe Michigan State is as a team is just on a cold streak, right now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's the way. I, I don't know, Boss, I don't know how else to put it. I'm sure that's the way Coach Boss would like to see it. Yeah. So Michigan State right now four and ten on the year. That's that's my excellent um, baseball memory uh, factoid bank. Coming at you there, so we will be there at at McLean at Cobb's Field at McLean Baseball Stadium. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, for for all four games, do we want to pick out the the our schedule for ourselves live on the air? I feel like that'd be a great way to end the show. I I mean I can I don't think I can make Thursday, but I can definitely make one of Friday or Sunday. I can do. I can do any all of them. four games. Yeah, yeah so oh, that's geez. something we're gonna have to sort out. Try and get both of you in the in the booth there for one of them or two of them. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we'll have. You're within walking distance, yeah, right? yeah, a little yeah. bit. So maybe hop by. We'll figure out all the video stuff later. It's uh, St. Patrick's Day. Stay safe out there if you're in the East Lansing area and you're listening, uh, and you happen to be of college age, and you're and you're trying to be stupid on on a on a random Saturday. Go watch it. Go watch basketball instead. Quick picks. Final four. Off the top of your head. You're gonna hear Michigan State. Okay. Villanova. Okay. Virginia. Okay. Xavier. Michigan State, Villanova, North Carolina, Miami. Ooh. Ooh okay. I like the Miami pick. 
I had uh, Virginia Nova and then the two Michigan schools. I, that feels so like Michigan homery, kind of like basic. That's the way it sounds to me. So I don't, I don't know where I'm gonna go with that. Uh, I my, could have easily picked Loyola. My, my no, my main thing though is Nevada in the Elite Eight. I'll put that on the board right now. I, I think I might. What I might just start doing is uh is putting it on the board. I'll have to get out my hawk hair somewhere. You can put it on the board. Yes. As a coast fan, yes. we, as a coast fan, we might have to edit that out. But yeah. So you, we'll so if you that. get the so if you get your hands on the editing software, we'll take care of that. That's that's <laughs> that's about as exuberant as I'll get on this podcast. I hope. I I, I, I sure hope that we don't have to subject our listeners to much more. Hope so. So for uh, for another episode of Warning Track, we'll talk with you after the weekend series in Niagara. This has been an, an enlightening episode, I would say, as as much as we can fit in. Uh, much thanks to to Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball for calling in and talking with us a little bit. First guest of the year. Hopefully many more to come. I, I would say so. This, Tino, this is where we, you would say hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on it. Tino is at Abarca04. Noah is at NG423. Noah G423. Noah, sorry. Noah G423. And then Kyle Turk 5 This has been episode 2, season 3 of Warning Track. Plenty more to come on the way. Impact89fm.org slash sports at WDVM underscore sports. Various social media platforms. Zach Swasecki is at Zach Swise. Not quite sure why he uh, didn't come in and give us a little bit of producer questions for this week. We we were very we were very big on his producer questions this week. We'll have to get him going involved going forward. But for 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 the for the men in the booth here, Tino Barca, Noah Goat, I'm Kyle Turk. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day weekend. Enjoy the first weekend of the the, the the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.